Welcome to Socially Responsible Business with host Sharon Schneider. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to succeed financially while using your business as a force for good and spend differently without spending more. Now, here is Sharon. Welcome to today's episode of Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider, a social impact advisor, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Or if you're new here, I'll just share that the core belief behind socially responsible business is that you can actually be more successful, more profitable, more influential, as well as happier and more personally fulfilled when you make choices that are not just good for you, the entrepreneur or business owner, but good for your employees, your vendors, your customers, your community, and the environment. One advantage of being a socially responsible business is having a compelling brand story, which leads to loyal employees, customers, community partners. We've heard that idea confirmed by every guest on the show so far, from our hospitality entrepreneurs, Ken and Pam Cruz, to Titulia Organic Teas founder, Linda Apolipsius, to Procure Impact CEO, Lauren McCann. So if you missed those, go back and check out their wonderful stories and and advice and experience to share. But you might be thinking, well, that's great. How do I turn that good feeling into revenue? (laughs) Today, we're not going to talk about spending at all. We're going to talk about revenue. Well, one way, of course, is through sales, right? So especially repeat sales, we know it costs less to keep a customer than to win a new one. So that customer loyalty is a big factor in repeat sales. Um, And by the way, the, uh, the need to be able to do repeat sales is why you need to build your own email list so you can reach out to people directly and not rely on social media to deliver your messages. It always gets more expensive and harder to break through the noise on someone else's platform. This is something I learned the hard way as an entrepreneur. So you got to own your platform, folks. Drive people to your email list so you can share your story in a more natural and meaningful way and develop that relationship and develop that brand over time. Uh, But I digress. Our show today is about turning that customer loyalty into financial support that goes beyond sales through crowdfunding. So crowdfunding was previously limited to soliciting donations, but thanks to the Jobs Act of 2012, you can now raise equity in small amounts from a large group of people. Our guest, Devin Thorpe, a best-selling author and podcaster, will share the secrets of a successful crowdfunding campaign for your socially responsible business. Now, before Devin joins us, I want to just take a moment to lay out some basic concepts about crowdfunding. I see three flavors of crowdfunding that I think are worth differentiating. Um, First, you might be most familiar with uh, crowdfunding sites and, and campaigns from, let's say, GoFundMe, which is often used for individuals facing medical bills, uh, recovering from a natural disaster, sort of this, you know, help, help Jimmy or the, you know, a dog rescue kind of a thing. It's it's a purely charitable crowdfunding. You're making donations to an individual um, just because you want to be a good neighbor or a friend or a human, right? And nonprofits also run charity crowdfunding campaigns, uh, which are mostly about getting their existing network of supporters to bring in other supporters by giving them something to post about on social media. 
right? It, it gives you a day. And in fact, there's there's been a campaign for the last mm, 10 years maybe called Giving Tuesday, which is essentially one giant nationwide crowdfunding campaign um, that charities use on the Tuesday after Thanksgiving to really try to bring in those um, individual donations that are so critical to their mission. So that's a charitable crowdfunding. And then there's rewards-based crowdfunding, which I associate most closely with like uh, Kickstarter or Indiegogo. So remember, you'd hear about a Kickstarter campaign to back some new gadget, you know, a new watch or a new board game or a clever invention of some kind. And the entrepreneur needed funding to get their invention into production. So they would use crowdfunding to pre-sell the product and also to build a community of people that were really excited about it. And then they'd use the funds, you know, they'd have a goal of half a million dollars or something, and they'd use the funds to actually execute and deliver on what were essentially pre-orders. So the reward there was often the actual product, or it might be some kind of swag for smaller donations like stickers or shirts or mugs, but it's still donations where people are getting a reward often the product for a certain level of donations. Actually, this just reminded me, this is a true story, in 2015, I backed a Kickstarter campaign to fund a documentary called The True Cost about the impact of fast fashion. And in return for my $1,000 donation, I received an associate producer credit on the movie. So that was the coolest thing ever. I got to go to the premiere. Uh, I don't know if I'm an IMDb. I should go look that up. But it's not like I got a piece of the proceeds, right? I, I donated money. I got a reward. That was the end of it. Okay, so the third kind of crowdfunding is relatively new. Before the Jobs Act of 2012, which I mentioned, you could only raise equity financing from accredited investors, which meant people with a net worth of a million dollars or more, not including your house, and uh, or an annual income of $200,000 or more. So uh, since the passage of the JOBS Act, though, you can raise small amounts from a whole bunch of non-accredited investors, and this is where equity crowdfunding was born. So if you're raising equity through crowdfunding, of course, that means that each person will actually own a small part of the company. You're entering into a much more long-term and serious contract arrangement, and your investors are coming along for the ride the good, the bad, and the ugly. So as you can imagine, it's not for everyone, but it can be a major lifeline for small businesses. And so today we're talking to an expert in the world of crowdfunding, Devin Thorpe. Devin is a best-selling author who is a undeniable champion of social good. He travels extensively as a volunteer doing service as a new media journalist, finding heroes, and as a speaker sharing what he's learned. As a Forbes contributor, he covered social entrepreneurship and impact investing, reaching an audience of over 2 million people. He's produced over 1,200 episodes of his podcast featuring luminary change agents, including Bill Gates. His books, read over 1 million times, help people do more good. He's helped nonprofits raise millions of dollars via crowdfunding, and now for-profits, social enterprises in particular. He draws on his experience as an investment banker, a CFO, treasurer, and U.S. Senate staffer. 
And I'll just say, Devin is a truly lovely and generous human being who always brings joy to my day. Devin, thank you so much for being my guest on Socially Responsible Business. Well, it's a thrill to be here. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. Thank you. You are someone who has truly dedicated your life to putting good work into the world. So tell us a little more about your background before you came a best-selling author, podcaster, and champion of social enterprises, especially in your CFO roles, which I'm really interested in. Yeah, so I I uh, spent uh, about 25 years building a su- successful uh, finance career. Uh, I was a corporate treasurer, and I, I ran an investment banking firm that I launched uh, and owned. It was uh, an SEC-registered FINRA member firm. Uh, we did that for about seven years. Uh, after closing that down, I ended up uh, as the CFO of a billion-dollar corporation that uh, had global operations. Uh, it was uh, the third largest and 18th fastest growing company on the 2009 Inc. 500 list. It was really a great, great job. When I left that, I, I took advantage of the opportunity to transition as I had long intended to a second half of my career focused on social impact and doing good. And it's been quite a journey uh, over the last dozen years or so. I guess it's now, it's approaching 13, 14 years, but it's been a great experience. Uh, And uh, early on in that process, I started writing books and I, uh, so now I'm I'm just finishing my seventh. And as you mentioned, I've been doing my show now for, uh, well over 1,200 episodes. I think we're approaching 1,500 now. It's been it's been quite a journey. That's uh, I mean, a lot of fun. This is this is episode six of this show. So just <laughs> I I could only hope to get somewhere near 1,200 yeah. episodes. Your first book was written to other CFOs uh, called Adding Profit by Adding Purpose. Um, and I love that because, again, from the perspective of the CFO, we tend to think of these things as a cost center, but the, it's right there in the title, adding profit by adding purpose. So everyone should get their copy and we'll tell you where at the end of the show. But give us a summary of what you share. How did you kind of learn that adding purpose leads to greater profit? You know, the... the the fun thing about that is at the time I was writing for Forbes. And so I, I did kind of a survey of business leaders. And so I conducted a, a, a semi-formal or informal uh, first, you know, hand research to determine what, what uh, business leaders were seeing. And uh, with, really high consistency. We saw about 75% of the people we polled said that they were more profitable as a result of doing some sort of social impact. And we, you know, we were seeing that also appear at the time across the board in other studies and surveys, right? The evidence is clear that all else equal people would prefer to support a company or brand that is doing good in the world or at least less harm right and so the um it it was fun to explore that and and we looked at some fun case studies in the in the book you know i i one of my favorite was uh the woman who did my hair Uh, and it was you know there's a postscript to the book uh 
And, uh, but she was visiting the homeless shelter regularly and helping women there with her hair with their hair. And so she was getting oh, them ready yeah. for job interviews and that sort of thing. Really a tremendous service. She was going about once a week. And uh, so I wrote about that in her book. And and what we saw is at that time, she got some incredible press in the local media. And she was then getting, uh, I mean, her, her business was just thriving out the door. And she ended up hiring uh, one or two of the homeless women to come work in their staff because she was growing, right? I mean, it was just this snowball of positivity, right? I wrote the book, I published it, uh, and then uh, over the over time, she got kind of burned by a couple of situations, and she stopped doing it, and her business just started to wind down. Mm. Right? So this isn't in the book, right? This is yeah, the yeah, postscript, right? So she's in business there anymore. Eventually, she got away from that. And it, it's interesting to see the her actions confirming the thesis of the book, that in these, this day and age, uh, doing good is almost essential. So very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And, and a, a sort of interesting way to flip it, which is, you know, if you're not doing those things, then what does that cost you? Um, and, and we have just about a minute before the break, but I'd love to get examples from one of your other books called superpowers for good. Give us an example or two of some of the superpowers that you learned about that were your favorite. Yeah. My favorite is Bill Gates talking about patience because he, he, he describes himself as an impatient optimist, but in fact, when I talked to him one-on-one, his, he admitted that his superpower is patience. And having the, the ability at Microsoft to wait five years to see something develop into something real and at the Gates Foundation takes even more patience. It's 10 years or more to get, for instance, a new vaccine developed from start to finish. And he led that effort for polio. And, and he personally will be a key to the success of uh, polio eradication, which I expect we'll see in this decade. Well, that's a great tie back to, we heard from some of our early entrepreneurs that it took a little longer to get to profitability with their socially responsible business than it might otherwise if they had cut some corners. Um, But patience is that superpower. You're listening to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider. I'm talking today with Devin Thorpe, author of Superpowers for Good and more recently, Crowdfunding for Social Good. So when we come back, Devin is going to share some examples and tips for conducting a successful crowdfunding campaign. Stay with us. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. If you're a business owner who wants to use the power of free enterprise to not just help yourself and your own family, but your employees, your community, and the world at large, then tune in to Socially Responsible Business. Host Sharon Schneider, a serial entrepreneur and impact advisor to some of the world's most prominent families, will help you uncover all the ways you can succeed financially while using your business as a force for good. Every show will include practical ideas and tools that you can implement right away. And it's not about spending more money. It's about thinking and spending differently. 
Socially Responsible Business, hosted by Sharon Schneider. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. Have a question for Sharon or her guests? Email her at Sharon at theintegratedlife.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Schneider, and I'm here today with Devin Thorpe, founder of a public benefit corporation, The Super Crowd, a best-selling author and a kind and generous colleague who has supported literally hundreds of social entrepreneurs to raise money for their business. Actually, probably thousands if you count everyone who has read his book, Crowdfunding for Social Good, and put it into practice. So Devin, I'd love to sort of switch to crowdfunding. How did you discover sort of crowdfunding as a concept and why did it excite you so much? Well, I had grown, you know, my career in finance. And as I shifted to social impact, you know, I couldn't entirely disentangle myself from my financial roots. I was writing for Forbes about social entrepreneurship and impact investing. And in that context, of course, as I was starting to write about uh, this topic for Forbes, crowdfunding under the Jobs Act was kind of uh, a key topic, almost the topic du jour for a long time as, as the law came out and then as companies spooled up to implement. Of course, it was an interesting phenomenon to see. It took four years to implement it. So we saw a whole crop of 2012 businesses fail. And a new crop that grew up behind them that actually were ready to implement in 2016 when the law came out. But um, I, as I started writing about them, I immediately began to appreciate the potential for crowdfunding to serve as a way of solving a variety of problems. And what we're seeing now, eight years in, it's working. It's working very, very well to address a variety of problems. So women, as you know, are getting something like 2% of venture capital. You know, the studies vary and people measure it in different ways, but 2% has been a consistent number for as long as the measurement has happened. It's not even improving. In the crowdfunding world, again, measurements are a little bit different, but it tends to be 20, 30% of the um Invested capital now is going to women-led businesses. That's a huge, huge difference. We're talking 10 or 15-fold, right, the proportion. So women are doing better. Minorities are doing better. Um, it really is just a stunning, amazing, wonderful thing to see. Now, it could be better. And I want to reinforce the need for all of us, especially white men who have money to invest, that we need to intentionally 
look for opportunities to support diverse founders because if we don't look intentionally, we will miss we will miss some of the great opportunities to invest in support of great businesses and we'll miss opportunities to make money. So, uh, yeah, it's just a wonderful thing. I'm so excited about it. Been writing about it for over a decade now. And uh, yeah, it, it, it really an, is all that in a bag of chips. There's an element of leveling the playing field you're talking about, which is interesting because as someone who raised venture capital, one of the things I realized pretty quickly was it was a lot about who you know. Like, how do you get in front of uh, the people that are writing those kinds of checks? How do you have the credibility to be able to do that? And so sort of like social media provided the great equalizer to anybody to be able to broadcast to a, a wide audience and removed the gatekeeping of maybe traditional mass media, um, crowdfunding has uh, had a similar effect in allowing people that might not traditionally be part of those moneyed networks um, to have a new kind of access to potential investors. Yeah, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, venture capitalists for many years bragged about their process. If you can get a quality introduction to me, then you must be great. Well, if you are a, a Berkeley PhD, you have a much easier time getting a quality introduction to a Silicon Valley venture capitalist than if you are an African-American woman at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, for instance. You may be comparably educated, comparably qualified, but uh, your network is much less likely to have a Silicon Valley uh, venture capitalist in it. And so there is just tremendous, tremendous uh, bias built into that process, even though the VCs couldn't see it, and some still don't, right? They don't quite see that there's a flaw in that process. So it crowdfunding addresses that directly. Everyone has a network, everyone has a community, and everyone can raise at least a little bit of capital for a business through crowdfunding because of that. That's beautiful. It, it, it really feels very democratic, which I like. I mean, I think the other thing that's been different is the amount of money, which one of the things I discovered when I kind of got into the world of venture capital was, you know, they don't want to write a check smaller than, you know, 50,000, 100,000, like those are small checks. And there are a lot of businesses out there that maybe need 10,000, 25,000. You know, I started my own business with about $10,000, which to me was as much as I had and and pooled then resources with my um, sister and my mother, not crowdfunding, they were my co-founders, but <laughs> we were all of, of like relatively modest means. And I remember being on a panel with a a woman, it was at the Northwestern, um, you know, university, like entrepreneurship center who said, well, I started with a friends and family round of $4 million. And I was like, <laughs> sorry, what now? <laughs> like we clearly have very different friends and family. That's right. That's not entrepreneurship. That's like, a, you know, yeah. a, a hobby. I mean, I don't, I didn't even know what to say, but I think yeah. that this, this, Crowdfunding to me feels like a, a great option for people who are never going to be the next Amazon, are never going to be the unicorn, um, but uh, a little bit of capital could really help them 
you know, make a difference in their business. Yeah. I, I, I want to be clear. The companies that have the potential to be unicorns are using crowdfunding mm-hmm. and it's it's an exciting possibility for investors to be to have access to those deals sometimes. Now, I grant you, many of the unicorn potential companies are not raising via crowdfunding. And so I don't want to mislead, but there are some. Um, I distribute my my show via Substack. Substack raised $5 million on WeFunder in a day. Uh, there are opportunities to invest in venture-backed businesses right along with the venture capitalists and have the same potential to get uh, those stellar returns. But you are exactly right that there, if you are trying to raise money for a food truck and you need $25,000, there's not a venture capitalist in the country that's going to look at that deal. But you can raise $25,000 on SMBX or on the Honeycomb credit. It's really a, a remarkably simple process to do it. And, uh, and, and it provides, I want to be clear, it provides a great return. Ordinary investors, ordinary investors are trying to figure out how to get a 10% return out of the stock market. They, they may tell you they want more, but the reality is it's really hard to get the long-term average in the stock market of 10% because you either pay you either pay someone to manage your money and then you can't get 10% or you try to do it yourself and you screw up <laughs> and you don't get 10% over the long haul. So if you can invest in a business, a, you know, a food truck business uh, run by a minority woman, for instance, uh, and get a 10 or 11 or 12% return, holy cow, you're beating the stock market and you're supporting a diverse founder. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to do that every single day? And you could build a diverse portfolio. You could do a little bit in each deal. You could, I mean, there are whole strategies. Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. It really is. <laughs> well, we'll get to talk about the being okay, an investor in so a little bit. No, no, that's okay. Give us, give us some examples of some of your favorite crowdfunding campaigns that, that were particularly successful. Yeah, uh, th- there are a couple of great ones I just love. Uh, and one is Aptera. It's a company that is building electric vehicles. They they build three-wheeled vehicles, and they are just uh, on the verge of starting production now. But they've been raising money and developing the vehicle and the business for years. And uh, they, it's really impressive. They have designed and built prototypes and, you know, early, not quite production ready vehicles that are the most aerodynamic vehicles in the world. They've added solar panels on the top of them. And so these are, these are vehicles that can go 40 miles a day on just the sun that falls on the car. Now, if you are driving less than 40 miles a day for your commute, and a lot of us do, that means you would never need to plug your car in. And you could go they, ten thousand. You can go did, ten thousand miles a year just off the sunshine. Were they pre-selling the cars, or they you were, were just so getting they, a piece? They've been doing the both, company. right? You okay. can you can dep- make a deposit on a car, but you can also uh, invest in the business and get shares and and participate in the ownership. And I've done both in that one. I have to admit. Um, very excited about that. Uh, and so the impact on climate is tremendous. And these are beautiful cars. These are the cars that George Jetson would drive if he had to buy a car in 2024. So it's great. Um, 
The other company I like to talk about is a, a company founded by a woman called uh, WorldTree. And WorldTree uh, identified that there is in this world a tree that grows about six or seven times faster than normal trees. And they can be planted, grown intentionally and harvested and harvested profitably. And that this can become optimally wood that can become, you know, buildings and things that, you know, furniture, things that last a long time. Suboptimally, it can become paper, but it could, or or fuel for uh, renewable energy, can become a lot of different things. However it is used, it replaces uh, processes that would take traditionally seven times longer for that much carbon sequestration. It's super exciting. And the business model is phenomenal. The opportunity to invest in these trees and get a return. You have to be a little bit patient, right? Your return's going to come like 10 years down the road. Uh, but the return is phenomenal and really easy to predict. So it's really cool. So those are my two favorite examples. And we gave them awards at our Super Crowd 23 last year for being the uh, um, Impact Crowdfunders of the Year. Ah, very good. I love how you brought it back to that patience, right? That superpower for good. That's fantastic. Well, and and those are very different products too, right? A car, a a wood, you know, um, regenerative yeah. kind of company versus again, like a cool watch or gadget. So uh, it sounds like there's really a lot of different industries. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about um, who's a good fit and what examples uh, you know, or what, what best practices people should know. You're listening to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider, and I'm talking today with Devin Thorpe, author, author of Superpowers for Good, and more recently, Crowdfunding for Social Good. Stay with us. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insights from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, and get hired into the career you want and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. Have a question for Sharon or her guests? Email her at Sharon at TheIntegratedLife.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to the show. I'm Sharon Schneider. Please do visit me at theintegratedlife.com and you can find episode recaps and and lessons and resources there, um, as well as learn about my book, Handbook for an Integrated Life, which applies a lot of the same principles we talk about on the show to our personal lives. So I hope you'll visit me there and and send me a note at sharon at theintegratedlife.com. I'm here today. We're talking about crowdfunding with Devin Thorpe, an author, podcaster, investor, uh, all about crowdfunding and how you can use this tool for your business. Um, And I want to start, Devin, with your kind of analysis. You must have seen so many crowdfunding campaigns. So what makes, what do you think goes into making a campaign really successful? Is it like certain kinds of products or, you know, you have to have uh, a mailing list of 5,000 people? Like what is it that is the ingredients to a really successful campaign? You know, success is in the eye of the beholder, right? Uh, If you're trying to raise $25,000 for your food truck, it's going to be a very different sense than if you need $5 million in your next round as a, as a startup tech entrepreneur, right? It's going to be a very different kind of thing. Uh, so it takes different things to accomplish that. Uh, I will say as, as social entrepreneurs, uh, as diverse founders, I think it is important to recognize and lean in to purpose, to mission. Um, because there are investors who are really genuinely eager to do that. And your community is ready and eager to support your mission, your purpose, the difference you want to make in the world. And I think that's a key to success. Another key to success, and we can't underestimate this, there is a temptation to think about putting up your page on the website. And it takes a lot of work in the investment crowdfunding space, especially to get the page up. And then there's kind of an expectation. Well, if I put the page up, people will come. Uh, you know, the old, if they, if you build it, they will come. That's not how it works. You've got to go get them. And that is an intimidating process. And many entrepreneurs uh, are are ready for everything but that, at ready for everything but asking family and friends to invest in the business. The great thing about crowdfunding is you can ask people to invest small enough amounts of money that they won't miss them if they lose them, right? It's not going to mess up Thanksgiving dinner if someone <laughs> in the family invested $200 in your food truck and your food truck failed. They're going to say, that was a cool thing you tried. I'm glad I could be a part of that journey with you, right? It, it's not a problem. But it, it is intimidating to entrepreneurs to make the ask. And, but the key is to find ways to do that. One of the successful ways I've seen people use is inviting everyone you know to go to lunch, all right? Have a meeting. Um, you can accomplish much the same thing with Zoom meetings. Ask people to just do a meeting with you if they're interested in uh, investing in your business. And what I find is that in, when I did my campaign, people self-selected nicely. And the people that wanted a meeting were the people who wanted to invest four figures, not three. And so it was it was very productive time to spend meeting with people about the business. So it's it really is... Um, a very effective tool to just try to get the meeting. 
Um, and, and when you're in the meeting and you're talking about investing and you're talking about the business, it is really relatively easy to close the sale if you've got anything that makes any sense for investors. <laughs> I'm struck by your point about investors are looking for these opportunities. And I, I also believe that and work with a lot of families and funders and, and investors looking for you know values aligned or impact opportunities. And what strikes me about that is how different it is that the advice I got in 2012, when I was going through the accelerator program and, and asked this exact question of, do you think I should lead my investor conversations with impact or lead with like the finance and the impact is just a nice to have. And the advice I got at the time was that um, you should lead with finance. And if they're aligned on the impact, it's obvious. And and like, that'll be a sweetener to them. But if they're not, you don't want to scare them away. And, you know, I think looking back, that was terrible advice on a number of levels, but not least of which, because having investors that are aligned to your social impact purpose means that you will continue to be aligned in decisions that need to be made down the road. And so like being transparent and leading with that brings people to you that are attracted and will support that aspect of your company operations as you go forward. So you're talking a lot about story, I think is is a really important um, element of, is there, what do you think about rewards versus, you know, a pure kind of equity crowdfunding effort? I have a, a friend in this space, uh, Carl Dakin, and he is a firm believer in the importance, especially for small raises, right? Especially for that food truck scale raise where you're raising twenty-five dollars to $150,000 that a lot of that money is going to come from your customers, uh, from friends, many of whom are investing for the first time and they don't get it. But there are opportunities to make good economic sense for a founder to really sweeten the pot with rewards. And so he really leans into that. Uh, and so I think it, it it does make sense, especially for those small raises, to, to look at that. So what are we talking about? Uh, you could easily give people who invest $200, uh, you know, $50 worth of product. Uh, that sweetens the pot. You could give them discounts on future purchases that could equal $150. So they could see the path to getting their $200 investment back without uh, getting a dime from the investment. So the re investment return becomes pure gravy. And, and, and that's a model that I think really works well when you're talking about uh, dealing with first-time investors, small investors. The fact is, though, uh, most people will need to get some, you know, the, the average investment on crowdfunding sites is about $1,000. On my round, I really leaned into small investors and I ended up with an average of about $500 per investor. Even with that average, the way that worked out is I had a number of four-figure investors. And if it hadn't been for those four-figure investors, I could never have done the round. So you have to do, even if you're thinking about getting hundreds of investors, you're going to have to have some, some who are putting in uh, $4,000, $5,000, $10,000. And so you've got to have 
investment terms that will close the deal with those folks too. So you can't ignore that the business has to make sense for them too. Well, and I think the the thing about rewards, I, I like the example of $50 of credit for like a $200 investment, because by the way, that $50 is the retail price. Maybe that only costs you $25, right? To offer them that 50 bucks, like it's the cost of goods sold there. So, um, yeah. you know, you can give them a sense of value, but also thinking about those intangible rewards. Like I mentioned, I got that associate producer credit for my thousand dollar donation which literally cost them nothing like they put my name on a list and there's something to be said i think i'm i'm thinking of a um i think it was the first bike share in chicago when i was there that if you donated over a certain amount they would um name you as a founding member and you got a special colored key tag, right? Because you use like your key tag to unlock the bikes yeah. or something. And you got a, a key tag that identified you as a founding member of this little club, which, you know, all the VCs in town all like wanted to show off their uh, their key tag on a number of levels as like a member of the club. So I think there's something to be said for these intangible rewards um, that don't always, again, have to cost you any money. I mean, you get key tags and 500 of them are black and 50 of them are green and, you know, you still bought 500 key tags. So I think there's um, uh, a lot of creativity that can go into quote unquote rewards, even with an equity campaign. Sure. Sure. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And and what about that kind of mailing list um, you know, question? Like what do you see yeah. in terms of network effects? Do people need uh, a certain number of followers on social media? Like what should they be thinking of now I'm ready? Yeah. So I, I like to point out that virtually anyone can raise some money via crowdfunding. It may not be as much as you want or need. It, so it may not be the solution to your problems, but you always can raise some. Uh, there's no question, things that help. A, a sense, a clear, defined, accomplishable sense of mission and purpose that you can articulate, that's really important. That will help you draw in people, investors who don't know you already, right? If they see that their mission aligns with your mission, they're interested. You've, it helps certainly to have a mailing list and many people do. So that's a key thing. I, I, I don't want to overestimate it uh, or underestimate it. The key though, mailing lists are less productive than you would expect. There is no alternative to personal contact right? That you have to leverage that. Having customers, if you already have customers, right? That is key. That, so if you are running a business that you're trying to expand, it's easier than if you are trying to raise capital to start a business, I will just tell you. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, consumers, your, your mailing list, those are all keys. But I want to emphasize the purpose, come back to that. that. That is a way to attract people who don't know you and don't care about you personally. That that in person element, I think, is is a really important point because I could imagine thinking, well, I'll put up a web page and then wait. Sort of what you said about build it, 
and they will come. And that the reality is just because like the, the crowdfunding campaign, especially the, the page itself is more like the portal through which people can deliver. You are still, it's sort of like writing a book, Devin, as you and I both know, it's like, yeah. You could your, your publisher gets that book on the shelves of the bookstore, but it is up to you to drive people to actually go buy it. They they don't really do that. It sounds like crowdfunding is a similar exercise. Absolutely, absolutely it takes work. That's yeah. Too bad. Okay. You're listening to Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider, talking with Devin Thorpe. When we come back, we'll hear about being a crowdfund investor and some tips for us on that side of the transaction. Stay with us. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. At Voice America TRN. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. Have a question for Sharon or her guests? Email her at Sharon at theintegratedlife.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider, and my guest today is Devin Thorpe, founder of The Super Crowd and author of multiple books, including Crowdfunding for Social Good. So let's switch to talk about being an impact investor for a moment. Uh, your new book, Devin, which is coming out very soon in the next month or so, is focused on transforming people's self-image to include the idea that they are an investor. Uh, we're all investors. So what inspired you to kind of switch sides and focus on the investor uh, perspective in crowdfunding? Well, you know, I, I raised capital last year for my business through crowdfunding, and and that was uh, an interesting experience. Learned a lot. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, as I've kind of mentioned a time or two today, it takes work. I have also uh, had lots of people on my show who are doing crowdfunding, and I've seen, you know, the successful people, you know, that we talked about Aptera and WorldTree, and they have raised millions upon millions of dollars all through crowdfunding. Let's be very clear. You can raise millions and millions of dollars this way. Uh, Aptera has raised like 33 million uh, in just the last uh, 
12 to 18 months. Uh, World Tree's been doing this for a decade now, and I think they're approaching $10 million now in total raised. So it, it really is a great and powerful tool. But uh, the, one of the challenges that I see all the time is that it is harder than it should be. And there are a variety of ways that I think we can and should make it easier. And uh, I'm an advisor on a, for a company called Raiseway, and, and they're working on technology to make it easier to do the work of crowdfunding. I'm excited about what they're doing to make it easier in that way. But one of the other aspects is that it is hard to convince people to invest. I ran for Congress in 2020, and it was difficult to raise money for my campaign. But I was stunned and amazed to find it more difficult <laughs> to raise money for my business. Even though, instead of saying, I want you to give me money, I'm going to walk away with it and spend it on television ads that will change nothing in the world, right, uh, for you, uh, but I got money. And, and instead, when I said, I'm going to give, I'll take your $1,000 and I'll return it, uh, do my best to return it with, you know, with a profit. And, and it was harder than asking for money as donations. And so I began to appreciate that, that there is a huge mental problem going on here, that, that people don't see themselves in general, even affluent people, but certainly not people who aren't especially affluent as investors. And yet the opportunity is there. And the opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, is there to meet or even beat this financial returns that we're sometimes more comfortable with, right? Our homes over the long haul are appreciating at three or 4%. And yet we, many of us, most of us, about two thirds of households own the home they live in. That's a big investment. Most of us have some sort of retirement savings in the 401k or an IRA of some sort. And most of that money is in the stock market. And yet, as I've said, trying to get that 10% return that is theoretically achievable in the stock market, in reality, is hard. You're paying money managers. The 401k is a good example. You, a lot of 401ks, you pay about 1% to the people who are managing the 401k plus a 1% fee to the people who are managing the money. Uh, on so, another so you're, so you're saying paying... you're an investor now, folks. You're an investor now. This is just a new form exactly. of investing. You know, what you're saying resonates a lot with handbook for an integrated life, because I try to, you know, point out to people in that and in the book that similarly, you think you're too small to make a difference in the world or, you know, to worry about where your assets are going. But if you add up not just your charitable contributions, but your spending habits, your vacation, your clothes, your food, tens of thousands of dollars are passing through your household every year, even if you live very modestly. If you're living more, it, it could be hundreds of thousand dollars. And so that that is, it doesn't take, you know, four figures or five figures to become an investor. People can join, and 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 we've probably heard the term angel investors, right? But I love that you you've called your investor club the cherub club, the impact cherub club, which is like little mini. Angels, am I right? Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we 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 lean into this idea that a uh, hundred dollars at a time makes a difference. And one of my favorite things, 
uh, is that there is a website called uh, a, a, a portal called SMBX. Their website is thesmbx.com, and you can start investing on that portal in crowdfunding deals for ten dollars. Imagine. $10. And there's so much you can learn. Just go do it once. Take $10, go do it once. And then, you know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, ending your virginity, right? You make your first one. And the, the second one is a lot easier, right? It really is. And, and as you begin to make these investments, you can learn how to do better due diligence. You can begin to learn the vocabulary, begin to learn the, the, the what deal terms mean and understanding so that, as you get better and better, then you can raise the amounts you're investing and begin to actually earn serious returns and put more of your capital really to work there. That's why I think there are three reasons why it's so important to make money with impact crowdfunding. And 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 uh, one is if if you aren't if you aren't screening for the potential for a business to make money, you're really not screening for impact either. Because if they could go out of business easily because you didn't screen for that, they're not going to have any impact if they go out of business. So you you got to screen for impact. You got to screen for profits as well as impact as an impact investor. Second, if you make money on your investments, you can reinvest that money, right? And keep doing good infinitely. And thirdly, if you get convinced that you can really make money this way, you can take the capital that is invested elsewhere and shift it over here and do more good with it and still make as much or more doing it this way. That's why there's some really compelling reasons why you can and should make money with your impact crowdfunding. Fantastic. Well, we're, well, we're, no, we're only in business though for about two more minutes. So on this show, <laughs> so for all the entrepreneurs listening today, what is the next right thing that they can implement in their own business to be more socially responsible? Well, I, I think what I would encourage all entrepreneurs to do is to lean into the side of themselves that is an investor, right? And begin investing through crowdfunding in deals. And, and the reason is, one of the reasons, so that you are better attuned to the opportunity to raise capital this way. But as you start putting on your investor hat and do that with some regularity, you are going to have a much clearer, greater ability to raise capital from the crowd when you're ready and when you need it. And and, and it'll be there for you when you you're going to learn a lot. Yeah. Write a little check and learn a whole lot. That's fantastic. And people can learn more about being an investor uh, and all your books and all your great work at devinthorpe.com. Is that right? That's and, right. That's And yep. on our site as well, we'll have links to uh, make sure that you can find Devin and soak up more goodness. So thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you all for listening today. I hope you'll join us again next Monday with my guest, Ken Oliver of the tech startup turned unicorn behemoth checker. We're going to talk about fair chance hiring. So make sure you bookmark the show at voiceamerica.com and on all the big streaming platforms, Spotify, et cetera. We'll be back next Monday. In the meantime, visit theintegratedlife.com for links to resources mentioned in today's show. This is Socially Responsible Business. I'm your host, Sharon Schneider. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Socially Responsible Business with Sharon Schneider. We hope we've given you some ideas of how your business can succeed while being a force for good. 
Until we talk again, visit www.theintegratedlife.com for resources to take a small but meaningful step today. 